Welcome to The Lorraine Murphy Show. If you're anything like me, you want a successful, abundant business, epic energy, a growth mindset, vibrant health, and beautiful relationships. And this podcast sets out to help us achieve all of that together. I've been in the entrepreneurship arena for almost a decade now and have mentored hundreds of other business owners. So I know what goes on behind the scenes and what it takes to succeed. This podcast shares the tips, tricks, learnings, and lessons I lean on in order to blend the different facets of my life as an entrepreneur, author, wife, and mama to two gorgeous little humans. Let's jump in to today's episode. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Lorraine Murphy Show. You may have noticed I had a little break from the show last week and back with a bang this week and have so many brilliant guests and solo episodes coming up over these coming weeks and months for you. So really excited to bring those to you. As I'm recording this, we are in Ireland, back visiting my family. We're actually meant to due to come back for my first Irish Paddy's Day in March in... 18 years and the four of us got struck down with the, the the dreadful influenza B. So we had to move our trip to Ireland back a few weeks. So yes, back for Easter in Ireland, which has just been magical. And as you may have noticed from the show, I've been talking about the show up over the last few weeks on the show. And I just wanted to say a huge thank you. If you were part of the show up with me, there were Over 500 people registered to join me on the experience and I had my PB of the most live people on a session that I've ever done on day one of the show, which was really, really, really exciting. So the show was brilliant and I'm really excited to have brilliant new Bold Darling members joining us as a result of being part of the show and coming on board to my Bold Darling mentoring program. As you will know, if you're part of the show, it was very specifically on personal brand. And while personal brand and marketing is definitely an element of Bold Darling, it is not the core focus of the program because the program itself is a lot more holistic. But I am, given the huge interest in the topic and the engagement as part of the show up, I am working on something special just on the personal brand space. I'll be letting you know more about it soon, but please do tune into the show over the next few weeks and I'll be sharing more about it. Now on to this week's episode. Human design has become quite the trendy topic over recent years and maybe like me, you've wondered at times, what the fuck is this all about? I had dabbled in the space a couple of years ago and then I decided I really wanted to get a solid understanding of human design last year. I turned to human design guide Billy Rutledge to give me, and as a result you (laughs) as part of this episode, the real 101 on what human design is all about. She read my human design chart and gave me an in-depth reading and then I interviewed her for the show. So join myself and Billy's conversation in this week's episode as I try to figure out what human design is all about. Included in our conversation are the four modalities that human design originates from, an overview of the five different energy types within human design, also why working against your human design could be why you're feeling burnt out, and loved Billy's response to this question, why human design can be so potent for business owners. So let's bring on my conversation with human design guide, Billy Ruthledge. There we go. Hi, Billy. Welcome to the show. Oh, hi, Lorraine. Thanks for having me. It's very exciting. Well, well, it's funny because, as you know, we've just done an almost two-hour reading. So you just read my human design chart and now we're doing a podcast interview. So as we sat down earlier, I said, I feel like I'm settling down for like a good old juicy date with you this afternoon. (laughs) Uh, It's been lovely. Great way to start a Monday, which is always good. Thank you, my love. So the idea of this episode, as I briefed you beforehand, I think human design is something that we have probably most of us have heard bandied about at one time or another. And I know for me, I didn't really have a deep understanding. I did like a quick online test a while ago to understand what I was, but I didn't really understand the kind of nuts and bolts of it. So I'm really, really excited to have you on the show today to essentially give us the 101 on what human design is as a kind of a mini masterclass type episode. Would you mind just as a starting point, can you give us a bit of a grounding on what human design is? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So human design is a, synth- a synthesis of four ancient modalities. So it's drawing wisdom from Western astrology because like the birth chart of Western astrology, we need to understand what time and date and place you were born to understand where the planets were aligned and what gates that they were moving through. There's 64 gates in a human design system. These are your personality traits. So this gives me a sense of understanding of what your strengths are, where there might be a bit of conditioning, that kind of thing. And this wisdom comes from the Chinese I Ching Oracle system. There's 64 hexagrams in that system. And then we also use the chakra system. So we have nine centers in human design versus what people would normally be used to seeing the seven. And this is kind of understanding, you know, how our energy flows and, you know, what we're broadcasting out to the world to impact the energy around us versus where we're taking in energy from the people around us. And then we also have the Kambala Tree of Life. So if you ever see the Tree of Life, it's actually the human design chart upside down. And so that's kind of looking at the pathways of energy that connect the centers. Yeah. And so you know, what we're really looking at when we sort of, so human design, I suppose, like astrology is a chart that gets read. It is a body. And so we're looking at the centers and the gates and the numbers and what's activated and what's sort of, you know, there's colors and, and, you know, it can look very complex, but really what we're, what it's breaking down is this is who you were born to be the day that you were born. This is your genetic and energetic expression before any kind of layers of conditioning gets put upon you from from generations, society, that kind of thing. And so it's about really, un- it's, you know, by understanding your chart, you're able to kind of peel back those layers of conditioning and start to kind of understand how best to use your energy and the energy that you were born with. And also get a sense of, you know, what your strengths are and, you know, how best you're here to operate in the world and how best to make decisions and where your intuition is. And it sort of gives you the confidence to be the person that you were born to be. Oh, love that. So powerful. So can I just add, this is a kind of a, a strange question. So I'm quite happily, I'm very happy on the woo-woo end of the scale. I'm very open to different realms, different modalities. I, I'm extra, I would consider myself to be on the kind of the extreme end of being open to all of the things. On the other end of the scale, you've got probably more like my husband, more of a scientific, logical thinker, more of an analytical thinker. Where does human design sit? Because it's actually extremely structured. Of course, I'm fresh off my reading with you just now. It's There's a huge amount of detail and logic. And yeah, it's very, very comprehensive body of work. Is it on the woo-woo end of the scale? It is. I know that's a weird question. Sorry. No, 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 it's not at all. It can be. I sort of see it as it's where spirituality meets science because it's Mm. also looking at like kind of quantum physics and that kind of thing. But look, what I try to do with it is we could go super woo-woo and get really in-depth with it and use sorts, you know, this kind of language that most people, it would just go over their heads I actually, you know, my whole intention when I became a human design reader was just really find the right language that could appease people that are maybe are adverse to the even the word woo-woo, you know, by just sort of, you know, using kind of language that's easily relatable and that it's practical. And it's funny, my mum is one of those people that just is gets scared of the word woo-woo. Yeah. And so I, the way I always use her as the person that I talk to because it's like what would my mum need to hear to make those small changes that might make her life feel a little bit more in flow and maybe she's not so burnt out. She's a projector and, you know, but without scaring her at the same time. Yeah, it's, it's two ends of the spectrum. And so, you know, I'm like you kind of leaning more towards the woo-woo, but I used to be very skeptical. Mm. But it's just this is one modality that's really resonated with me. And I just took the parts that I think are super easy to use and relate to. And I tried to, I, you know, it's not that I leave out the rest, but I just, yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people kind of sit on the fence. And yeah. so, yeah, it's just really about using kind of, you know, what's practical, I suppose, more than anything. Yeah, it's really practical. I mean, everything that you went through with me just now was very much rooted in like real life examples or maybe you would experience this in this part of your life and business and so on. So how did you find human design? So I actually found, so it's very popular in the States. Mm. 
And so I was listening to a podcast, I think it was to be magnetic. And it was an interview with Jenna Zoe. She's an English teacher of human design and has quite a big following. And it was a conversation between, I think, Lacey and her that I sort of was really intrigued by it. And so I sort of, you know, I was like, oh, this sounds really interesting. And so then I kind of did a little bit of research. And in the end, I had my first reading done by a woman in Sydney. And I wanted it to be a local because I just sort of felt like maybe it might be easier to relate to or mm. that kind of thing. Plus, it helps with time zones. But she was actually one of the first practitioners to bring human design to Australia. So it was really fascinating, you know, to have my reading with her. But yeah, I mean, since then, it's slowly starting to kind of gain traction in Australia. Mm. But it's, you know, it is a fairly new modality. Yeah, it feels like it, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like people, it's a bit of a buzzword at the moment. Like it's sort of in America, it's always like, what's your, you know, sun sign rising and moon, you know? Yeah, yeah. What's your human design? Yeah, yeah, that's it. it. My, and my I, husband didn't even know what it was. He, even if I was working as a reader for two years, he still kind of wouldn't, you know, he didn't really sort of understand. And then it was only when he was in the States recently and his gallerist was like, what's your human design? He was like, oh, it's actually a thing. Okay, I get it. Ah, you're finally validated. I know. So I, I know. feel like I heard about it about two or three years ago and I looked it up at that point and I found out that I was a generator, but that's honestly as far as I got to, I didn't really... Yeah, I didn't explore it any deeper. So what was your background before you actually started becoming a human design reader? So I am a graphic designer. I used to work in publishing and also fashion advertising. I was an art director. Yeah, so I've been doing that and I still do it from time to time. But yeah, no, it's I've been sort of a graphic designer for almost 20 years now. And it was only that I'd had a business with my sister and this is not any kind of reflection on her, but just I'd kind of, she's also a graphic designer and I felt like I really lost my confidence in that business. I kind of went to more the admin side of things mm. and really let go a lot of my creativity and, you know, and then I kind of, yeah, I just felt really stuck. And it was, that was at the time where I just started to do a bit more self-reflection of, I felt like I'd lost my creative mojo, mojo and that was kind of the only way I could kind of describe my stuckness. And yeah, just, you know, I'm such a creative person. And so it was felt like I'd really lost a big part of my personality. And yeah, it was then that I discovered human design. And when I understood my own chart, I'm also a generator. I was just started to realize that I really wasn't doing the things that lit me up and Mm. I didn't know what they were. I really wanted to be passionate about something and I'd lost passion in this, you know, skill that I sort of worked so hard to achieve. And I was good at graphic design, but it was just not giving me any kind of fulfillment or joy. And then, yeah, it was this human design was just something that kind of weirdly landed in my lap. I always wanted to kind of work with people and help people, but never understood in what capacity that was. And so when you look at my chart, it's all about helping people. It's Mm -hmm. all about sharing this knowledge. So it's sort of very interesting that serendipitously I've fallen into this space. Yeah. Yeah. And it also explains why your logo is so great. I love your logo. Oh yeah, that helps too, right? (laughs) But what was really beautiful, like I was starting to hate design and then by understanding my chart and really working with my human design chart and with my energy, my passion got ignited again because I was working on something that was for me yeah. and, you know, and I was doing something that I enjoy. So, I mean, what was interesting, it was like I realised that my creativity goes across so many different facets of my life and it's very, very much about, who you know, part of who I am. And so, yeah, I put a lot of effort into the way that I appear on Instagram and with my branding and that sort of thing. And it's just that brings me so much joy. So it's really nice that I've kind of gone full circle and it's reconnected me with that. But then I'm not dealing with annoying clients and deadlines and late nights and all the other things that come with being a graphic designer. Yep. I'm definitely one of those annoying clients. Yeah. My poor graphic designer, (laughs) Stacey, has the patience of a saint with me. (laughs) So I think I just had this thought as we've been talking, particularly as you were talking about your own experience there, it's almost that when you understand your human design and you design your life and your business and your career around that, it's almost like you find a slipstream, like you're actually working with the current rather than trying to fight against it, which it sounds like you were probably doing in your previous life before you did this. Yes, definitely. Do you agree? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what it was. It really does give you the permission 
to be yourself because mm-hmm. it kind of helps you under like identify who you are. The biggest thing for me when I was looking at my chart was really understanding one of my biggest conditioning traits, which was people pleasing. Mm. I realized at the age of I'm 41 now, I was 35 at the time that I was living a life based on the, this expectation that I needed to be a certain person. I come from a very, very creative family. We're all designers of different sort of skill sets, but we're all creative. And so I had this expectation, I think, that I put on myself from a very young age to live this life that I was thought that I should be, but it was just not bringing me any joy. And You know, in some ways that was me trying to kind of prove my loyalty and people please and, but it was just getting me nowhere. And I think understanding that being a generator, that I have that capacity to fall into that trap was probably the biggest aha moment. And then to understand that my authority, and so your authority is where it's your driver for decision-making. It's where you need to tune into, it's your intuition. So it's getting yourself out of your head and really tuning into that. And for me, it's my gut, my gut. And so, yeah, and it was just, you know, I didn't realize and I was probably ignoring my gut response for my whole life. Yeah, by being able to understand that that's where I needed to sort of draw my attention to, it sort of then allowed me to, I suppose, start really listening to what it is that I wanted to do versus where I was seeing resistance. And so it gave me permission to say no. And that was a game changer. So funny, is it makes total sense because you've got something that it's your human design, literally tells you your design. And then you can almost like use that data for want of a better word to almost like to validate yourself and say, well, no, this is why I feel this way about certain things. Or, And we can talk through some of my reading shortly as well, like something that came through. Well, yeah, was that idea of like, oh yeah, okay, I get this now. Like it's not an unknown anymore. I understand why I operate in this way or why I need to have certain things in my life. So did one person actually design it, Billy, human design? So it's, yeah, there's this guy, he is an American. And I mean, I don't, it's kind of an interesting story. And it's one that I don't usually talk about, (laughs) but I mean, you'll hear it. Basically, there was this one man and he is a manifesto. Uh-huh. And he was in Ibiza, which is this where it all gets a bit hazy. Yeah. But basically what happened was he had an experience, a spiritual experience, and then he had, it kind of was downloaded. It was something that came to him and it was like over eight days, this whole system kind of was downloaded. And it's just funny because obviously he was in Ibiza. But when you actually look at the four ancient modalities that it's drawing its wisdom from, they're all speaking the same language, but just in different ways. And so really it's all about, it's really just about, you know, really tapping into your authenticity Mm. and using the tools that all those systems bring in order to tap into that and to be able to use your energy in the most efficient way that's designed for you. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you. That's super helpful. So, I mean, this is my... I'm totally projecting this onto you. I actually think this is so incredibly helpful for business owners because our businesses are an extension of ourselves. So when you as the founder can understand your own human design, you get more of an understanding as to how you can show up as the best version of you and create the right boundaries and have the right people around you in order to take your business where you want to take it. Would you agree? Like, Do you think this is extra helpful for business owners? Oh, my God, definitely. I mean, it's just, I mean, so basically human design recognizes five different types of people. And what we're looking at is the way that those different types use their energy. And, you know, so the types are the manifester, which is only 7%, I think, of the population. They're the trailblazers of this world. They're here, you know, to really initiate things, to spark those ideas, to make stuff happen but they don't have consistent access to this life force energy that generators and manifesting generators have. And so when, you know, they're here really to follow their urges, 
But then once that job or project or whatever they've sparked is completed, then it's really important for them to rest. And so manifestors are really here to kind of, you know, they work best independently. They need to kind of have a more flexible working arrangement. You know, they're, you know, good at kind of working with people, but then they also probably need a little bit more space where they can work more independently. They're not here to really worry about what people think of them and the judgments of other people. But, I mean, with each energy type, there comes a strategy with it. So with a manifestor, their strategy is to inform. And because manifestors are really good at manifesting things and, you know, taking, expressing things and putting things into action, why they need to inform is just because they operate quite quickly and often they're operating quite, you know, independently. And so it's really important for them just to let people know of their intentions, not really to worry about what they think of those intentions, but more just to say, hey, this is what I'm doing, just letting you know. And then it allows everyone else to kind of keep up to speed with them. Where generators and manifesting generators, they kind of operate quite similarly, although manifestors, manifesting generators are slightly different. But basically their strategy is to, you know, we're like the workhorses of society. So if you imagine, you know, a building site, a manifestor is like the architect. They're here to kind of, you know, spark the mm. idea. Um, MGs and the generators then are the workhorses. So they're here to kind of wait and respond to that, idea and make it happen and so therefore they're like the worker bees and then we've got the projectors which are also like manifestors in that they don't have that consistent access to sustainable energy but they're the guides of society so they're like the project managers that sit above they're really good problem solvers they've got an amazing gift that they're born with that they're here to share And so, therefore, they're here to kind of really oversee what's going on and guide from that place because they're not always, they don't have the consistent energy like generators and MGs. So, again, you know, they need to be very mindful of their energy and where they use it. And, you know, again, maybe they need to have a little bit more of a flexible working environment because they can burn out quite easily. And then you've got the reflectors, which are like 1% of the population. And they're like the HR department. They're the mirrors (laughs) of society. They're really here to mirror the health of the people around them. And so they need to sit in the center of us all and mirror back how we're feeling. So I sort of like to kind of use that analogy. But I mean, in terms of business, I mean, if you're, you know, um, a lot of the time a projector, they think they're manifesting generators. They think they've got this abundance of energy, but then they wonder, oh, why am I so tired all the time? Why am Mm. I an insomniac? Why is my back hurting? And it's because they're working at from a burnt out state. So it's really, really good to kind of get a sense of who you are, what your energy is like and how best to manage that. And when it comes to using your strategy, you know, it's just there to kind of provide you with an operation, you know, it's like your operating manual of how best to kind of use that energy. You know, if you're not a manifester, then you're not really here to initiate things. You're probably going to find it feels really sticky. You're going to feel like there's resistance. You might put something out there and get crickets. Mm -hmm. And so why, you know, for generators and MGs, it's about waiting a little bit for life to come to you to respond to, to peak your excitement because you're here to really do the things that you enjoy. And then with projectors, you know, they're here to really, they want to be recognized for this unique skill that they've born with. And so therefore they need that recognition. They need to be invited into that opportunity in order to share because they don't have this abundance of energy. You know, they just don't have access to that all the time. And so it's then about then choosing when they use their energy to avoid kind of, you know, burnout, you know, they're not here to keep up with the Joneses. And so it's really mine, you know, it's very helpful to kind of get a sense of who you are and how best you are to, you know, how best to operate. And then when it comes to decisions, you know, we're all here to kind of condition to think with our minds and really our mind is, it's like a 50-50 guess. It's like weighing, you know, it's really good at strategizing a decision once that decision is made. It's really good at weighing the pros and cons of a decision, but each person has their own unique authority. Most people, it's an inner authority. So it could be your emotions, your gut, your splenic awareness, your ego, so your heart's desires. 
There are some projectors that are they're called self-projected projectors. So it's really important for them to listen to their spontaneous voice. You know, they're the people quite often, the clients that I've had that are this, they often talk to themselves. And so it's really important to kind of really listen to what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And that's what help guides them. And then you've got two types, the mental projector and the reflector that have what we call an outer authority. So it's really relying on extern- the ex- mm-hmm. like external things yeah. in order to guide them. So for a mental projector, you might hear it as the soundboarding authority because it's really about, you know, really tuning into other people and the environment they're in and really listening to when they're talking their decisions out with people, listening to what they're saying. So, again, listening to their voice, you know, so they can kind of work it out. And obviously reflectors, they're their only lunar beings. This is where it gets a bit woo-woo, but they're lunar beings. And so they really, is really important for them to like, they're guided by the moon and the lunar cycle. So it's really important for them to really tune in and get a sense of what their pattern is within their cycle to help yeah. guide their decisions. So it's not saying necessarily you have to wait 28 days to make a decision, but when it comes to kind of really bigger things like maybe career change or buying a house, that kind of thing, it'd be really tuning in to allow like when that clarity is going to come through. So really tuning into the lunar cycle. Yeah. Wow. So yes, it's really, really <laughs> helpful. And then what I say to my clients, if you can focus on anything to do with human design, it's honoring your energy type, really trying to lean into your strategy and trust your authority and you'll naturally start to feel less resistance Mm. and things will might just feel but you know it's an experiment it's something to be experimented with it's not something that you'll master but yeah play with it tell me those three steps again my dear so honoring your energy type so whether you're a generator mg manifester that kind of thing so get a sense of what they are and how they operate then, you know, really leaning into your strategy. So whether it's informing, if you're a manifester, waiting yes. for an invitation, that kind of thing. And then trusting your authority, getting out of your head and really start to be more present in the moment and really tuning into your authority. Mm, so powerful. Thank you. So, I mean, the first question I'm sure people are going to be having as they're listening to you talk this through go, oh, I wonder what I am. What's like, because of course there's options to do like a really comprehensive reading with someone like you. What's, where would people go just to get that kind of quick information around what type they are? Yeah. So there's mybodygraph.com is a really good resource. Yeah. Just a quick, like, you know, just to look up your chart really quickly. I know Jenna Zoe has a great app. I think it's called myhumandesign.com. And so it's a little bit like a lot of those astrology apps where you can kind of pull up your chart. You can also pull up other people's charts. And then she's got like great descriptions about Very each, cool. like just that the main like the aspects. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a really good one. And then she yeah. does like daily sort of, you know, she looks at transits and things like that. So, yeah, that's a great resource. Wow, it's a whole world. And what do you need in order to do your reading? So we do require your birth data. So we need to know, obviously, your date of birth, your place of birth, but most importantly, your time of birth. Mm. And an exact birth time is important. The more advanced you go in terms of looking into your chart, the more that can shift in terms of time if you don't know your exact birth time. I do have software that I obviously pay for being a reader, but where I can kind of tell the accuracy of Mm, the time. How cool. Well, it's just, yeah, so it just will show me like in that day what has shifted. Sometimes nothing can shift, but a lot of the time, like, you know, certain gates might not be activated anymore, which then might change your authority or your profile. Like things can kind of shift throughout the day. So it's really good to get a sense of yeah, what that is, if you're unsure. I know that there are astrologers out there that can, I can't remember what it's called, but they can look into look into it for you. But you know, but if you don't know it, call if you can, call your hospital or go to the birth records and try and see if you can find it there. Because mm. yeah, the more exact it is, you know, the the better. Yeah. It's definitely challenging. Sometimes I've had clients who aren't sure and if something does change, like I'll kind of go read this and if this resonates, 
then this might be you or then this is the other option. So I kind of do that as well occasionally. Yeah. But if yeah. it really changes, it can be quite difficult. Yeah, because it's a tricky one. My mom knows my birth time. And when I was on the same time zone, she would call me every year on my birth time. I think it's a four, it's 4.20 in the afternoon. But I asked my husband, wait, because I wanted to know what he was. This is why I was asking. I wanted to know what he was when I was doing the human design years ago. And his parents have no, no idea. Yeah. <laughs> and it took them six weeks to come back to me and said he was born at 9 a.m. I'm like, that sounds a bit suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can look that up. I mean, I was the same. Like my mum, like I always remembered my birth time was around the end of school, like the like school pickup. Yes. Yeah, and I always had it in my head. And when I first started doing it, nothing changed in that hour. So I thought I was born at 3.20, but I was actually born at 2.55 and nothing changed. Okay, got it. Yeah. So it's not the be all and end all that you have to have, know exactly when you were born. This, yeah, no. If you're working with a skilled reader like you, then chances are people will be able to. Yes, exactly. And look, if we out. can't kind of determine, like look too nitty gritty, but we know that at least your energy type and authority hasn't changed, then start with that and just mm. see, you know, and we can sort of look into the finer details later. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as you were talking through the reasons that human design is so potent, particularly for business owners, is that it's that energy management piece. I'm very, very passionate about energy management, it's something I talk a lot about within the Bold Darling community, because in order for us to run these businesses and create these businesses to be the amazing entities that we want them to be, we need to have energy <laughs> to do that. And burnout is a really real issue. I actually wanted to devote a whole separate episode to burnout over the, over, over the next few weeks because it's a real problem. I've seen people, I've seen a lot of people burn out and I've come very close myself a few times. And I think what human design offers you is, as you said, it's almost like your operating manu- manual to your energy and how you can best manage your energy. So I think if nothing else, that is such a huge help to understand that. Oh, definitely. I mean, I'm like you, I, like most of my clients that come to me, they're burnt out. And mm-hmm. I mean, I find, especially since kind of coming out of locked, all the lockdowns, you know, we're all kind of coming out and, you know, trying to kind of live these lives that, you know, we used to live and there's so much more social stuff. And if you're a parent, there's so much kid stuff and, you know, and everyone is just kind of going, you know, sort of from sort of living these very quiet lives to all of a sudden these really it's busy all lives. on at the same time again. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone is burnt out and then everyone, you know, there's so many clients that have had COVID twice and then they get the flu, then they get pneumonia. And it's just like, I'm just sitting there just going, oh my God, you need to like, yeah. So it's just like understanding your energy, you know, and giving yourself permission to have those downtimes if you're someone that needs. I mean, even with generators and MGs, you might have this abundance of energy, but if you're not putting it into the things that you enjoy, then, yeah, it's one ticket to burnout. So mm. it's just being really mindful of, you know, of your energy and understanding what your capacity is, you know, because you're no good to someone when you're burnt out. And then your body will start to react if you ignore that burnout, those burnout signals. And keep pushing um, through. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes total sense. So once someone understands their human design style, their human design energy type, yeah, their their energy type, what is the best way to complement that? Like, can you almost like give us the one-on-one for each of the five energy types? What's the kind of the one-on-one on on how they should manage their energy or support their energy or complement themselves better? So so starting with the manifestor, so we classify them a non-energy being. It's because their sacral center is undefined, so it's white. And so it's inconsistent energy. So they, you know, where you're white within your chart, those centers, if their center is white, it's where you take in the energy of others, you know, and that can make you more vulnerable to conditioning, but then your most valuable learning tools. So for a manifestor, it's really important for them to really follow their urges, you know, to really look at what their heart's desires are and go after it, you know. What's quite sad about manifestors, and I've met a few of them, is that obviously they've got this real drive to be independent. And so for a manifested child, they crave that independence. They want to be in control of their own affairs. But what happens is being a parent to a manifested child, you know, you're also their parent. You're wanting to parent them. You're wanting to discipline them. But if you're too controlling and you don't give them that little bit of leeway to be the independent person that they're here to be, then they start to be conditioned. They start to play small. 
then they start to people please and they're not being this beautiful manifester that they were born to be. And so it's really important to really get a sense of what your heart's desires are and go after them. And you don't have to apologize for it. You know, we need people like you. There's 7% of the population. You know, we generators need something to respond to. And so I really encourage them to really focus on the things as well, the, the things that they enjoy and just go after it. And it's okay to be independent and to work independently. But in that, they're not here to keep up with the Joneses. They're not going to have that ability to go all day. It's not saying that they can't work a nine to five job, but it's just saying they just have to be very mindful that, you know, that they're not always going to have that consistent energy to back up, back them up. So if they're, you know, for instance, having a really busy week at work, don't pack your weekend up with activities. Like give yourself that downtime because being a non-sacral energy person, you will burn out quite easily. For generators, Yes, you've got access to this abundance of energy coming from your sacral, but you're not here to have your finger in every pie. So it's about, you know, what I was saying to you before in your reading, like what is more beautiful is a lit up generator. When you're doing the things that you enjoy, then, you know, that's when you're really tapping into that amazing sparkly energy, which everyone feeds off. And so often with generators and MGs, they do tend to, we can people please, And so it's really important to kind of take inventory of those hell yeses and go after them. And if you hear yourself say the word should, it's probably a no. If you're over-rationalizing a decision, it's probably a no. And with generators and MGs, you know, even depending whether you're a sacral authority or emotional authority, it's really important to tune into your gut instinct. It's very black and white energy. It only responds to yes or no questions. So if you're not feeling connected to your gut, get your partner or your friend, even yourself, to start asking simple yes or no questions. Do I want a coffee today? Yes or no. And see how your body responds. It's a visceral feeling. It's a, you know, very mechanical kind of bodily response. Manifesting generators, they operate in the same way, but yet we call them a non-linear being. They're not here to live a linear lifestyle. They are those people that are high, high energy. They're usually doing a zillion things at once. They've got their fingers in a lot of pies, which can also be exhausting, but they're here to really follow all their passions And with that, you know, and then that's okay. Like sometimes I think on the offset, some people can kind of see manifesting generators being those people that are a bit all over the place, that they can be a bit flaky because they can pivot out of things really quickly if it doesn't feel right. They've kind of got that beautiful manifesting energy. So they really want to follow their urges, but then it's really important for them because they're still a generator to really tune into their gut and their strategy of waiting to respond. What is really sad is like when manifesting generators feel discouraged to follow their passions. You know, if you have a manifesting, a manifested generator child, like really nurture all this, all the things that they're interested in. Because as I said, they're here to live this non-linear lifestyle. And if anything, they're here to educate us that that's their process and that's how they're supposed to live because they have an abundance of energy. It's really, really obvious projectors again like manifestors they've got to be very careful about using their energy but as I said because they're kind of like the guides of society you know it's really important for them to kind of be recognized for the skills that they were born with and it's through that recognition is when they really shine and so that's why it's really important for them to kind of wait for that invitation and it doesn't necessarily always have to be a physical invitation but it's more about yeah having that recognition and I swear then, you know, things will just start to kind of feel a bit easier and then they're kind of, you know, getting to be that guide and to show, you know, people how to be more efficient and that kind of thing in the world. And then with Reflector, because they have every centre white, even though you'd think that they would be very, very vulnerable to conditioning, it's actually that they are quite special and unique, which is why they're 1% of the population that it's almost like a Teflon coating to conditioning. So what they're really here to do is to immerse themselves in their environment and the people that they're with and really tune in to that, to tuning into that energy. They're very good at that. And, you know, if something doesn't feel right, then it's not right. If a person doesn't feel right and just, the energy is not right, 
it's not right. So it's really important for them to kind of really tune in and really assess the environment and the people that they're with and the energy that they're receiving and really be guided by that. Yeah. So that's Amazing. kind of, is that? <laughs> that's exactly it's what I want. I could go Thank for you. hours. I know, I know. Well, even when you were doing the reading with me this afternoon, I was saying I feel like I've gotten the very scratch surface version. I feel like you could go for days and days and just keep diving deeper and deeper and falling into more rabbit holes with this. So, and I think this is what I really was hoping to achieve with this episode is the 101, like what's the top line, just so I, almost like a briefing. If I was to yeah. get a briefing on human design, this is where I wanted to go with it. So you've mentioned having the human, the energy types of kids and partners and team members. Is that something you would advocate for? Because I actually, I see a kinesiologist for our daughter, Lexi, and a kinesiologist was actually advising me to look into human design for Lexi, just so we could understand her more. So what age do you reckon we should start looking at this for our kids? I mean, I think you could probably even look at them from a young age. I think the thing is what's interesting, I mean, I've got two kids, both of mine are projectors and they're emotional with a defined heart. So they're very self-assured. They know exactly what they want, but the way that they kind of express that is different. Mm. My daughter is very, she's five and she's super high energy. And so understanding that then she's a projector I have to be very mindful of like giving her downtime, making sure that she goes to bed on time because, you know, because she has this abundance of energy and also having two generator parents, she's really picking up on our energy when she's in our space. And so it's just really helpful, I think, more than anything to understand what their energy type is start to kind of be able to guide them to trust their own authority so whatever that is and yeah like you know I know being having two projected children all they crave is recognition so when my daughter Edie is like going mum look at me can you look at this not just kind of if I'm busy disregarding them it's actually taking the time to turn around and say and recognize them because that's what they seek because that then helps them when they get older. So I think, again, just understanding those three things. Yeah, it's interesting to kind of look at like where they've got definition in terms of their centres versus where they're open. I don't worry too much about their gates, although sometimes I can kind of see knowing about the different gates. I can kind of see certain things. My son has a very rare channel called the Genius Freak, and he's a very old soul. (laughs) They're very future-thinking kind of people. They've got an amazing insight. And so knowing about that channel and then all of a sudden as a nine-year-old, he'll just say something that's so beyond his age and beyond his education level, I just kind of go, ah, genius freak channel, you know, and it's all about, again, it's a projected channel. So it's really important for him to be invited to share that wisdom because if he sort of doesn't be invited, then often, you know, we don't understand what he's saying. He's actually got a slight stutter. And you can see his mind going a million miles because it's a connection between the mind and the throat. And so you can see his mind going a million miles an hour, but then he's just finding it hard to articulate himself. But when it's the right timing, he's so articulate and there's no stutter at all. So it's pretty amazing kind of getting a sense of those things. Yeah, But I think, yeah. So that brings me quite neatly on to my next question for you was, how do people work with you then? So what do you offer versus someone going and looking up Jenna Zoe's app, for example? I think it's really just having someone there to kind of hold your hand and walk you through the chart. So Jenna, like you can look it all up on Jenna's website and you can, she'll give you really, I mean, she was my original teacher, but I've now gone on and done advanced training with someone else, but she's, you know, the way her language is what I love, like it's very relatable, but then you're not getting you know, if you've got questions or you're confused Mm. about something, you're not getting that one-on-one service. So I suppose what is really good and what I really loved for myself personally when I had my first reading done, because it can come across quite complex, it's really nice to have someone there that kind of can just explain it to you in layman's terms. Mm. I like to use lots of, I draw on a lot of life experiences as a way to kind of make it more relatable And yeah, I talk a lot about like what my own experiences and things, experiences that I've heard from through other clients and that kind of thing. So yeah, I think it's just that more bespoke kind of one-on-one. Yeah. 
And, and you I'm do a- family readings as well, don't you? So you can actually do a reading for the entire family if you have. I can. Yeah, I do connection readings. Yeah, so I can. And which is really fun because you can kind of look at how you your energies connect with one another. Who's got the more dominant feature where you might need to maybe compromise with each other, where there's companionship and when there's this thing called an electromagnetic connection. So you're mm-hmm. both bringing something together and connecting on that level, yeah. which is pretty cool. Fascinating. I think I'll be hitting you up again to do a family reading. It sounds awesome. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, anything really that just helps us that awareness, particularly around our kids, the awareness that we can help them be the people that they're meant to be. I love that idea that we're not here to teach our kids. We're just here to guide them. And I think human design, it just sounds like a, an amazing tool. And then, of course, by extension of that idea, then I see my team as family. So would you actually suggest if you're a business owner that you get your team, you understand, of course, what your own human design energy type is, but then also doing that on your team as well? Oh, I think so, definitely. Because, you know, there are some people, like we all have our own unique gifts and, you know, it's really good to kind of get a sense of like, especially knowing what their energy types are and how they're supposed to operate. Then, you know, then you kind of, you know, like say if you have a manifester as part of your team, like, you know, try to give them a little bit of, you know, throw them some projects where they can sort of be more work independently, you know, or be able to really share their ideas, you know, to give, you know, to spark the rest of the team, that kind of thing. But what I would say when you do connection charts and things like that, it's really important for you to have a very good sense of your chart mm. and then start to kind of look into others but yeah, yeah so st- it, it start with very... yourself it's not necessarily something that you should start doing if you're hiring for example <clears throat> lumping in with all the standard profiling you do it's something that you understand yeah. you first and then start to radiate out and look at the people around you whether it's in your business or your your home yes exactly but you know it can be very helpful definitely yeah thank you so in terms of additional resources so it sounds like jenna zoe is the person obviously if you yourself and then jenna zoe you reckon she's kind of somewhere is there any anything else that people should look at is it the gene Um, key is that the human design book no so i mean it's sort of richard rudd is the guy that is the gene keys guy it is an aspect of it it definitely draws from human design but it is i would probably start with karen curry she's got a couple of books that are really good basic books to start with okay my teacher is jess fields and she's in the states and she has a great program called a foundational program so that's sort of really teaching you that's something you can sign up for and it's something that you can if you just want to learn the foundations of it she's also a really good person to follow she's always doing amazing transit updates and things like that because obviously like astrology you know the planets move through the different Mm. gates throughout the year and they can also have an effect. So even though you might not have that gate in your chart activated, you can subtly feel its energy. So she's a great one to look out for. Jessica Curry was the two books. So it was Karen Curry. Karen Curry. And Jess Fields is a good person to be. And there's some amazing other practitioners in Australia that's worth following just from an Instagram presence. Yeah. Amy perfect. Lee. I mean, I can send them to you. Yeah. No, that's, the show that's notes, amazing. But... Thank you. I'll just make sure that they're in the show notes for, for <clears throat> listeners as well. Is there anything you feel like we have missed in this whole amazing, fascinating, deep field? I just think, you know, just again, stressing, you know, it does kind of come across as something that is quite complex, but I think if you kind of just, yeah, bring it back to those three basics and just play with it, mm. see what works. Sometimes things not are not always going to resonate with you and sometimes your energy type might not resonate with you at all because you might have some conditioning there that makes you believe that you're something else when really you're not energetically. And so, you know, what all I would suggest with that, if that comes up for you is play with, you know, what your energy type is telling you and see what happens. See all of a sudden, if you've got, you know, all of a sudden you're not feeling so tired and you maybe you're sleeping a bit better and maybe some more opportunities are coming into your field because you've taken a step back and mm-hmm. you're allowing life to come to you versus initiating. Yeah. It's also great to understand your energy type when it comes to working with social media and that kind of thing, you know, Mm. not, I mean, I know I'm a generator and it was so refreshing, I suppose, to hear that I'm not always here to kind of really be pushing myself and really just only focusing 
on posting the things that I actually are really that I really care about. And I find that I get more traction from when I'm actually posting something that I like and that I care about, that I'm passionate about, than posting for posting's sake. Yeah. So, I love um, I loved when you shared that as well because something you said as a generator, like I am too, is that whole idea of we don't need to be talking constantly. It's waiting to respond. And I think I know what I've experienced with social media is that I don't just want to show up and be on just for the sake of being on. If I'm on there, I want to be there and I want to be lit up. And you were saying that the biggest kind of calling for a generator is to light themselves up as much as possible because that's going to light everyone else around them. So I think just little things like that, energy management on social media, that's so incredibly helpful to understand how you're geared in order to get the most out of whether it's a channel or a revenue stream or a team member or whatever it might be. Yeah. And then the other thing I would say, and this is probably something that you'd need to kind of have a reading to understand on a deeper level, but is really looking at your open centers. So where there's white, like their shapes, what white shapes you have in your chart, because obviously that's where you're most vulnerable to conditioning, but it's really, you know, because it's inconsistent energy and it's what you're kind of getting from other people, then it's really good to kind of get a sense of what that means and what, you know, what happens if you're in kind of the lower expression of that and, you know, getting a sense of what can be conditioning that can really help because there are some centers that are more influential than others. So like the heart center, the emotional center, that kind of thing. And to really have awareness around where you're open versus where you are defined, where, you know, which is where you're defined. It's like it's consistent energy that you have access to all the time. It's what you broadcast out to the world and it's where you make your most impact. And so therefore you have to be mindful of then, you know, how that could potentially condition someone else. So yeah, the centers are really fascinating. Yeah. Thank you. You could have I me talk about it all day, couldn't you? <laughs> it's such a beautiful sign that you're doing the work that lights you up. The fact that you're obviously so incredibly excited about this. Thank you so much for being on the show, Billy. It's been so oh, illuminating pleasure. for me having the reading with you today and then also getting to interview you for the show today. So I'll pop all your contact details in the show notes as well so people can go and find your, your amazing work and hopefully get to work with you at some point as well. Oh, thank you so much. It's an absolute pleasure to be here today. Thank so, you. Yeah, thank you. There you have her, the brilliant human design guru and guide, Billy Rutledge. To find out more about Billy's work, you can go to her website, billyrutledge.com, and you can find her on Instagram at billyrutledge underscore HD for human design. Billy has also very generously created an offer for listeners of the Lorraine Murphy Show. If you use code Lorraine Murphy 20, you will get 20% off a deep dive reading with Billy, which is the reading that she did with me. Thank you so much again for listening to this week's episode. And remember, if you are circulating around the personal brand space and it's an area that you really want to learn more about, please do stay tuned over the coming weeks because I'll be announcing something really cool and really new and really exciting that I cannot wait to bring to your ears very, very soon. Thank you so much again for listening this week. I'll talk to you again next week. Lots of love. Please do remember to subscribe to the podcast so you don't ever have to miss an episode. I am always keen to hear your thoughts, questions, and requests for future topics on what I share here on the show. So please do reach out via my website, lorrainemurphy.com.au, or connect with me on Instagram at Lorraine Murphy Mentor. I would also love if you could rate and review the podcast as it helps even more brilliant listeners like you find the show. Thank you so much again for listening this week.